what I felt like the Lord laid on my heart is um, just a, a brief overview of how we should be living as Christians. Um, this is getting close to Christmas time, and many times people think a lot about Jesus' first coming. And that was awesome. That was wonderful. Without Jesus coming the first time, without Jesus' death, I wouldn't be here, and my life would be totally in the dumps. I know that for a fact. And so we're very thankful this morning, as believers, for Jesus' first coming. And I'm excited for Jesus' coming, for his death, and for the Holy Spirit that he left with us, the Comforter that is leading us and that is guiding us and that is anointing us. And so that's a powerful thing. But as we think of Jesus' coming... This morning, I want to focus mostly on Jesus' second coming. We know that he is coming again. Hallelujah. I cannot wait, and I am waiting with expectation for that second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, If we put a title this morning, it would just be living in expectation. You know, many times we know the truth that Jesus is coming, but many times... This world has a lot of things that crowd our minds, that cause us to lose focus. And so this morning, we're not going to go into the the depths of the return of Christ, um, all the eschatological, if I said that word right, all of those things per se. Um, But we're more going to just take an overview of the truth of God's word to our hearts this morning and a refocus on the fact that Jesus is coming again and it is how important it is for us to live with that expectation each and every day i was um as i was looking into this subject and i felt lord lay this on my heart i was amazed to realize just how much of god's word is focused on the on the return of christ especially when you look in the new testament um One out of every 30 verses speaks of the second coming of Christ. So that means if you read 30 verses in your devotions in the morning, there's a good chance that you read one that had a reference or somehow spoke of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, for, For every one verse that speaks of Jesus the first time Jesus came, there's eight verses that speak about his second coming. For every one verse that speaks about atonement, there are two verses that speak about Jesus' second coming or his return in some way. Twenty-one times Jesus personally and clearly spoke about how he was going to come back. And there's 50 verses in the New Testament that speak about how important it is for us to be ready for his return. So we're going to look at just a few of those verses this morning and... Trust that God's Spirit will speak to us and encourage our hearts and refocus us on the fact that Jesus is coming again. Um, in, we're going to look at a few verses in Matthew 24. A little bit before the Great Commission. Matthew 24, and we'll read in verse uh, 36. Jesus here speaks about how we don't know the day or the hour. 
Uh, Matthew 24, 36 says, But concerning that day, the hour, and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as, for as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. I think we'll pause reading there. Um, it goes, if we skip down to verse 46, it says, or verse 45, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So um, here we see Jesus just sharing about, a little bit about his coming, and it's um, the next chapter goes on to, with the, the parable of the ten virgins, and five were foolish, five were wise. We know that story. But my, my point of just bringing this out this morning was just, we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know one clear fact, that he is coming. And I think that for the world around us, it's going to come as a bigger shock. For us, we might not know the day, but we do know that he's coming. We do know that we must be ready. We must be watching. We must be prepared for the coming of Jesus is drawing close. And Jesus said, blessed is that servant whom his master finds watching or so doing. And so may God help us here this morning, that we would be among those who are watching, who are ready, and who are waiting. Um, I, I thought of just a short story about um, our time when we lived in Ghana, and I wanted to share it in this thing of waiting with expectation. And I, can, I trust that it can bring home this point to our hearts. Um, when we lived in Ghana, we lived in a village that was, well, it was a little bit a good ways down, several hours down a dirt road. And most of the time, we didn't have a vehicle or really a means of transportation. And so there were certain days that we knew there was a chance, a pretty good chance, unless the bus or the truck broke down, there would, a bus or a truck would come by our house going to the bigger city. And those days, we learned pretty quickly, we had to live with expectancy. We got actually very little else done than waiting for our ride to town. Um, we had our bags packed. They were outside the door. We would lock the door. We would unlock the door. We would lock the door. We would unlock the door. You know, we need something or a child needs a drink, but we'd lock the door again, and we were outside waiting for this bus or truck to come because we knew it wasn't going to stop for us. We had to be there, and basically, if you would holler at them and flag them down, they'd stop for a second and you jumped on, and that was it. And if you missed that split second, you were done. You didn't have a ride until maybe the next day. And um, anyway, I just thought of that a little bit as I was thinking about us as Christians being ready and living in expectation. 
You know, I, I remember clearly, I would honestly say that those days, it, it took a lot out of you just waiting because you didn't want to miss the bus. If you missed it, it kind of messed up all of your plans. Um, and so basically I felt like all of my senses were engaged. My ears were opened. Was that a truck? Did you hear something? Did, look down the road. I can't see anything, but you're ready and you're waiting. And I do believe that that's how God wants us to be, waiting and expectant for his return, not relaxing and just hanging out. Maybe, maybe it'll come, maybe, maybe Jesus is coming, but living in expectation. Obviously, the bus was just a ride to town, but when Jesus comes, it's going to be a lot more awesome than that. So it's... Um, I pray that we can have even a greater expectation for that, for the return of Christ than I did for a bus. Jesus is coming again. We all know it, but many times as we live these lives, we get focused on this earth and we become earthly minded and we don't focus on Jesus and what he promised to us. Um, There's a couple verses, a great promise that Jesus made to his followers um, about his return. There's, um, in Acts chapter 1, first of all, Jesus made the promise a couple places, but the one place is in John. But we're just going to read it for sake of time um, in Acts chapter 1 where... um, In John, Jesus made the the promise. Jesus told his disciples that he was coming again. And then we see in Acts 1, we'll start reading in verse 9. Um, Acts 1, verse 9. This was, again, a promise. um, Acts 1, verse 9. And when he had said these things, this is speaking of what, about Jesus as they were looking he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight and while they were gazing into heaven as he went behold two men by them in white robes two men stood by them in white robes and said men of Galilee why do you stand looking into heaven this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you as you saw him go into heaven so here we see the angels saying basically what Jesus had promised in John 14. Jesus talked to his disciples and said, I, if I go, I will come. Uh, John 14, it talks about if I go, I will send the comforter, which will even be better, That's, which is really an awesome reality for us to live in and to walk in. So here we see right after Jesus' ascension, the men of, these men of Galilee, Jesus' disciples, were looking up. And I can only imagine the feeling that they had. Uh, many times people talk about, wow, man, can you imagine if Jesus was here with us today? Can you imagine how it would be to walk in 2019, almost 2020, and have Jesus right beside you? Could you just ask him any question that you wanted to? And that is a really, really awesome thought, for sure. But Jesus was taken up, and Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and he said that it's better that he goes away. So we even have a better situation, according to what Jesus said, than even the disciples, which is an amazing thing to be able to walk in. 
Jesus said that he's coming back. Jesus said that we should be alert, the, the verses in Matthew that we looked at. For we don't know the day or the hour that Jesus is coming. I know for myself, um, I hate driving when I'm a little sleepy. I, I, I love driving. If I'm alert, if I'm awake, the miles just go by. And before you realize it, you drove four hours, you drove eight hours, whatever, and it's awesome. But when I'm sleepy, if I'm not alert, it's like one mile? Huh? Are you serious? That was one mile, and I was uh, shaking myself three or four times in that one mile. Anyway, time to pull over maybe. But um, So the, the thought of alertness um, is just something that really hits me. Jesus said that we should be alert for his coming, not groggy, not sleeping, not letting the things of this life lull us to sleep, not letting the side tractions in this life lull us to sleep, but rather we must be alert. Um, in Philippians 3, it talks about that we are, our citizenship is in heaven, and that's where we really belong. As we're here on earth, this isn't the real deal. The best is yet to come. Our citizenship is in heaven. It says, from which also we eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back. Jesus, our Savior, is coming again. Uh, another f- verse in Titus chapter 2 says, verse 11 to 14, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. This is the grace of God that has appeared to us that brings us salvation. And I know for most of us here this morning, we have experienced that salvation. We have experienced that grace of God. And I am excited for that fact this morning. But I want to also say to anyone here this morning, any child, anybody here who is not at right standing with God this morning, the grace of God, it has appeared that brings salvation. And salvation is something that we all have an opportunity to enter into. Where Jesus takes us and totally transforms us, takes our sin and fills us, makes us a new person and fills us with himself and fills us with his spirit. And because of that salvation, now as believers, we can renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. I know that all of us here, we know what those things are. I'm sure this very week, each of us, there were situations where we had to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And we had the opportunity through the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And that's, that's, a, that's an exciting thought, and it's, and it's even a more exciting reality. I'm thankful that God this week helped me to walk in that kind of a way, to walk uprightly and godly. And it's only because of Jesus Christ. And what are we doing while we're here? 
waiting for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus come? Once again, it kind of reiterates, he gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself, a people, for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. And it's Jesus inside of us. He is doing that work in each one of our hearts. As we surrender, as we say yes to God, as we say, not my will, Jesus, but your will be done. You do that work in me. Salvation, yes, it's a powerful thing, but that's just the beginning. And now we have the privilege, we have the opportunity to allow Jesus to work inside of us, his purifying work inside of us, that we can truly be a possession, his treasured possession, a people that are zealous to do good works, to do those things that God is wanting us to do. He will, lie, he will lead us and he will direct us. Uh, another common verse that we all know in John 14, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. What a beautiful promise. Jesus said that he is going to prepare a place. The challenge to my heart this morning is not to focus so much on that place but rather realize that as Christians, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. And walking with Jesus and walking with God each and every day is just a preparation for dwelling with him in this beautiful place called heaven someday. Right now, we have the opportunity to dwell with him and to be seated in heavenly places. I'm looking forward to heaven, yes, but I'm looking forward to, to, to tomorrow also because tomorrow is another opportunity to live for Jesus and to get to know him better and to hear his voice. And I desire by God's grace that my life would, be a ever, would grow ever closer to Christ, that I can hear his voice and follow the Holy Spirit's leading in my life to, in an ever-growing way that heaven will just be kind of like one more step. Yes, it's going to be amazing. Yes, there will be streets of gold. But that presence of Jesus that we know right now and that wants to be with us right in our normal day-to-day -day life, that presence is going to be the same presence that we get to experience and be with in heaven. And that's going to be awesome, and I'm looking forward to it. We are seated in heavenly places. Uh, that's from Ephesians uh, 2, verse 6. It says, And raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, Luke talks about how we need to, Luke 12, it's kind of the parallel scripture to the Matthew, talks about keeping our lamps burning like men who are waiting for their master to come. And we don't know when he's coming, but Jesus is coming. Are we ready today? Are we in a place this morning that we are expectantly waiting for him? You know, to, this morning there's many believers um, who know these facts just like we do this morning. But there's many believers who don't really walk in the reality of it. We focus too much on this world and this earthly, the earthly kingdoms that are here. You know, if Jesus was not coming, 
if there was no judgment and if God was not going to intervene, think about what that would mean. If these things were not true, that Jesus is coming, there's, it kind of takes away the whole reason for us to be here. What was the goal? Why, why would we press in? Why would we want to know Christ? Why would we um, want to bring honor and glory to Jesus? Just go live for yourself. Live in self-indulgence. Do whatever you want. But because Jesus is coming back, because we know that fact, it really transforms us and it really gives us a purpose. We want to know him and know him more each and every day because he's coming. Not only do we want to know him, but we want, we want um, for him to know us. When he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he know us? Abraham talked about um, that he was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. That's from Hebrews. A city not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And I must confess, the more I live on this earth and the more I see how things fall apart and break down, the more I'm excited and looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. But uh, it says a, a, a city eternal in the heavens. And, you know, no matter what we do, no matter how well we build things on this earth, no matter how good of a vehicle you drive, even if it's the best, it's going to break down because all of these things are temporal. But eternal in the heavens is a city that whose builder and maker is God. And I'm excited about that fact this morning. It stirs me up and it puts a spring in my step. I want to uh, now look uh, at a few scriptures in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'm going to read in verse, I'll start reading in verse 13. This is talking about the coming of the Lord. And a lot of these um, passages, again, if people dig into them, there can be slightly um, differing opinions on exactly what they're meaning, whether they're talking about heaven or the new earth and some of those things. But my heart this morning is mostly just to, to draw our eyes to the fact and to the realities of Jesus' return. He's coming again. How important it is for us to be ready. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. But since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Many times these, these, these verses um, 
are read at funerals, and they're fine and appropriate in that situation. But this morning, I want us to focus a little bit more on, yes, the people that are, are, are dead in the Lord, they will rise. And that does comfort us at the point of a loved one's passing. I look forward to meeting loved ones who have gone before. But this morning, my focus is more just the fact of, verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry or a shout and the voice of an archangel. He is coming. Don't be uninformed. I believe that um, if we look on in verse 5, we see that it talks about scoffers coming in the last days who will say, oh, what's Things are going on how they've always gone on. Where's the promise of Jesus coming? Mockers and people who don't believe that Jesus is coming. And I'm almost 100% sure here this morning that we all do believe in Jesus' return. So I'm thankful for that, that there's not scoffers here this morning, most likely. But the truth is, for myself and for you, for us as human beings, many times... We don't scoff and say Jesus isn't coming, but we live in such a way that we don't live in the reality of his return. And we lose focus that he is coming and that he he is coming soon. And many times as as we lose focus, we kind of become almost in the same – we can at times become similar to these scoffers who say, well, it's been so long. And we get impatient. I know for myself – I know the fact that Jesus is coming, but it's like, okay, I remember the year 2000, like, yeah, 19, 20 years ago. That's crazy. Some people thought Jesus was coming then, and if we're not careful, we can say, well, wow, 19, almost 20 years have gone by since the year 2000. Is, I mean, is Jesus coming, or he's coming? We don't know, but we must be prepared. I know for, when I think about it, when I was young, very young, you know, I, it, it was the reality of this. I heard people preach about it, and I thought, man, maybe tomorrow. Well, life goes on, and I must confess that things have – my life is not uh, – my life is more comfortable than it was when I was 14. I know kind of more what I'm up to. And sometimes in those things, as we have jobs and families and those things, we have these thoughts in our mind. Well, I mean, I want to see my daughter get married. I want to – see this or that, or I want to get my house paid off, or I want to fix up my house, or I want to buy that new car or vehicle that I was hoping to get. And we have these thoughts and these visions for our life, and they, may, they might not be bad in and of themselves, but many times they cloud our vision of this fact that Jesus is coming back. And so my, may God help our eyes this morning to once again be turned heavenward to the fact that Jesus is coming again. Um, Thessalonians chapter 5 talks a good bit um, about the day of the Lord and and Jesus' return. It talks about those that sleep, sleep in the night, and those that are drunk are drunken in the night. Verse 8 says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we might live with him. 
Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So this morning, my encouragement to us is verse 10. It says, who died for us so that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're here on this earth or whether we die, we might live in him. And we have the opportunity this morning to live in him. And that's the real life. That's the abundant life. That's the life that is puts a spring in our step. Um, that's the real deal. That life lived in him. I think of Paul the Apostle, how he was, at a, he was in a strait betwixt two, whether he should die or whether he should stay. And I honestly think that as Christians, that's a... When we really get the realities of heaven and Jesus' return, we should often have that same feeling in our heart of, Man, I don't know. I mean, I want to be here, but wow. You know, for me, I know there's been times in worship services and just times in the presence of Jesus where it, was, it just felt like, well, okay, are we, you know, on heaven's doorstep? How, how close can we get and still come back down to earth, you know? Anyway, God wants us to live in the reality of that and be in Christ And so that we're not even sure what's better. Encourage each other with this fact, just as you are doing. And I know that we know these things, but I just want to encourage us this morning to focus our heart on Jesus and focus our heart on the fact that he is returning and to live with expectation, live with expectancy because Jesus is coming again. Um, Second Peter talks a good bit about that as well, the return of Christ. Um, like I said, there's a lot of verses, one in 30, so we, we could, I had to just kind of pick and choose a few um, this morning. But Second Peter 3 talks about the day of the Lord, and he talks about stirring up our sincere minds and bringing to remembrance. Um, even the holy prophets prophesied about these things. Um, it talks about... Uh, people who will come and will say, eh, you know, where's the promise of Jesus? Things are continuing on, and people will mock. The world has a lot of scoffers, but today we know all the truth about who Jesus is. We know, um, and, and then it talks a little bit about the times, that a thousand years is as a day, and the day is a thousand years. But then it says, verse 10 of Second Peter 3, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on them, on it, will be exposed. Then it says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, these earthly things that we see, they're going away. Doesn't matter how nice they are. Doesn't matter how new they are. They're going to be dissolved. They're going away. These things are just temporal. Since these things are true... What sort of people ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord, the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. You know, we look around and we can, if you hear the news, it's kind of depressing. Um, Almost every time the headlines, it's about some new scandal or somebody else who lived in some kind of 
sinful or debauchery. Just There's so much debauchery in this world. And we, we hear those things and ugh, you feel like you need to take a bath sometimes. The truth is that we as Christians, we as believers, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where there's righteousness. Perfect righteousness. And I'm excited about that. You know, as Christians, our goal and, and something that we press towards is that we could walk in righteousness. And that's a beautiful thing. And I want to press into that, just as it says here. Um, how should we walk in holiness, in godliness? Heaven is going to be a place where there's pure and perfect righteousness. And I look forward to that day when we're there with Jesus and all of these earthly things that we have to, to come with, uh, focus on at times now, we don't have to focus on. We don't have to, we won't have the world, the flesh, and the devil to fight against when we get to heaven. Only righteousness will be there. A couple more verses. Um, we see uh, John talking about, in the book of Revelation, he says, Even so come, Lord Jesus. And I think it's so important that we have that heart each and every day. Another uh, thought that comes to my mind is the words uh, Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus or even so come. And many times we don't live like that each and every day. I know there's days when I go through a whole day and I, yes, I think about God and I thank God for this and that. But heaven sometimes is not enough of a reality in my own heart and life. And God wants heaven to be a a daily reality for each one of us. Um, We have the opportunity to be be part of the kingdom of heaven. And I am excited for that. I'm excited for each one of us to continue to walk more and more into what that means in our daily lives. Um, In 1 John 2, it talks about when he appears... May we have, that we can have confidence or boldness and not shrink away from him at his coming. And as we live these lives for Christ and as we focus on Jesus and as we focus on heaven and letting God's work be complete and fulfilled in our lives and that thing called holiness to be perfected in each one of us, we won't have to be ashamed. We don't have to be afraid. And I would say this morning, if there's anybody here who when they think of heaven or when they think of the return of Christ... If there's a fear in your heart, I would ask God, why? Because as Christians, we don't need to have a fear. If our heart is right, if we are walking with Christ, there's just, just, there, there should be excitement, not a fear. But rather a joy and an excitement because he's coming. And we won't need to be ashamed. As we walk this Christian life, God is going to lead us and he's going to take us all the way until... We meet him. Whether we die or whether we are alive and remain, we will be with him, which is going to be so awesome that I can hardly get over it. I don't want to get over it. Um, Even Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah 65. It says, For behold, says the Lord, I create a new heavens and a new earth. And listen to this. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. And that blows my mind because I always remember things. You know, what happened last year and what happened two years ago. And many times I even make plans from things I remember. Like, oh, maybe I learned from a mistake I made. 
But here it says, when, when we are with Jesus in this new heaven and this new earth, the former things won't even come to mind. It's not even going to be, the things on this earth are going to be so shabby. They're going to be so pathetic comparison to the glories that we are going to enjoy in heaven. Heaven is a place where righteousness settles down and finally finds a home. It's a place where God dwells. And that's going to be the most awesome part about it. May God help us as believers to live in expectation for Jesus' return. He is coming. A couple verses from Revelations as we wrap this up. Of course, Revelation is packed with things about heaven and the second coming of Christ. But I want to read a couple verses in closing. We'll start in verse 1. Why don't we stand up while we read these things? Just to make sure we don't miss anything. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the springs of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, and the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You can be seated. Of another promise that we see of that new heaven and that new earth where God dwells, where we will be as Christians someday. It's a promise, and it's a beautiful promise that I'm excited about. He is coming. He will dwell with them. We have the opportunity. We will be his people. We will walk with him. The former things are going to pass away. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. Then there is a warning to us in the last the last verse. But first of all, verse 7. The one that conquers to, will have this heritage. I will be his God and, and you will be my people, King James says, I believe. Um, we have that promise that as we live each and every day with God in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are going to overcome. We are more than conquerors because of Jesus inside of us. And we have the exciting expectation that we're going to get to be with Jesus. And I'm 
totally excited about that this morning. But then there is also a warning to all of us this morning. For those who are cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, they will have their place in the lake of fire that burns, which is the second death. So this morning I would like to encourage us to live with expectation. Jesus is coming. Make sure this morning, make your calling and your election sure. Examine yourselves this morning. Where are we at? And if this morning your heart is right with Christ, then you have joy and you have peace. And you know that heaven is ahead. You know that when Jesus comes, when Jesus Christ returns, you will go and be with him. You can live with that expectation. You can live without fear. Because Jesus is coming for you. Yeah, we might look at ourselves and we might say, well, I'm not perfect. Jesus didn't ask for perfection. He asked that we walk in holiness before him. And that is something that he is doing inside of us. And as we surrender to him and allow him to make us like he is, we will be holy. When, one day when we stand before him, we will be holy like he is. Which is crazy, but it's something that he is doing inside of us.